Welcome to Customer Service Academy Radio with author and customer experience expert, Tony Johnson. Tony will share his vision for successful customer service, leadership, and business excellence, and speak to some of the most impactful leaders in business today. And now, here's Tony Johnson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Customer Service Academy Live. I'm Tony Johnson, your customer experience leader. Today's episode is coming to you courtesy of IgniteYourService.com training and consulting. And I have to tell you, a rare treat today when you get to interview not just someone that you think is a pro, but also you consider a friend. We'll have to see if he likes me or not as time goes on. But I'm welcoming Chase Jordan into the studio today. Chase has a background in, in like the most amazing hospitality, I have to tell you, in healthcare, higher education. And I'll tell you what I, what I liked best about working with, with Chase was his ability to get results. I've known him for close to a decade now. And I, you know, so I met him when I was 12. So now I'm, you know, you know just kidding. I wish I wasn't 40 something right now. But uh, I, I've known him again for over a decade and watched him manage performance and develop teams. And that really keeps in line with our theme because, as you know, I heart executives. I love executives. I dig those who have these high level jobs and they earned them. But I love to dig into those who have gotten it done, those who have looked customers, consumers, guests in the eye and gotten it done at the moment of truth. And we'll give you, wait for it, actionable steps that you could actually use to grow your business. So with all that being said, Chase, welcome to the studios. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Absolute honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And I'll tell you what, you know, we have, uh, we've done it in the trenches together, you know, some, some big times back in the day. We have. We, we, uh, we, we should write a little book, like a, like a little 40-pager on all the nonsense and shenanigans we've had to deal with, dealing with those executives that are disconnected, dealing with those people so high level, so out of their league, but yet they land in these weird positions of presidencies and CEO ships. And you're like, dude, how did you land here? Because you have no clue what you're doing. And I think that ties into your intro, man. How do we actually get it done on the front line? You know, you've, you've held, you hold a VP type level position in, a, in one of the biggest companies in the world. You've consulted all around the world. You know what I'm talking about. And I think this podcast really brings a special light on how do we get it done on the front line? Even if you're a regional vice president or an area director, district manager, what if you're a general manager or director of operations, you know, how do you listen to this podcast and actually take something with you, put it in action the next day? I think that's a big thing. And I, I really commend you for that. Well, and as you know, we are, you know, in the middle of the great service comeback and I'm, I'm currently offering 45 minute free coaching sessions for those that want to start digging a little more deeply. And this isn't nonsense or high value stuff. We're going to talk about where you are, where you want to go and leveraging things like service, like leadership that people often think are soft skills, but they can be parlayed into quality sales growth and just, just, I think, meteoric growth when it comes to both branding, business and, and overall success. So. Well, I can speak personally, Tony, I tell you, you know, anybody who just heard that and just brushed it over is making a huge mistake. Tony is the type of guy that will strategize, but also really show those tactics he's seen. Not only has he done them, but he's seen done. So he's learned a lot. He's a student first. He's just like me. I know that we're student first, but here's the deal. If he gives you a phone number, an email, and a free hour with him, 45 minutes with him, you better jump all over that. Tony, I just had to sneak that in there, man, because people glaze over this stuff get on the phone, strategize. If anything, just level set. You know, people hate to use that term, but level set with him. Where are you? Maybe you're doing the right thing. What's wrong with just checking in and getting that sounding board? So cool, man. You guys need to get on that call. 
Well, I sure appreciate that. And, uh, and, and one last thing I'm going to throw you away before we jump into these questions, before we mind numb the dickens out of everybody. But I will tell you, uh, Chase is actually, you know, a decade ago, he encouraged me to write my first book. He was the guy that was asking me how many chapters I'd done. And yeah. I've been putting it off for years and years, but he would not let it out of his teeth till I got it out. And uh, I think all the success I've had after that with the books and with the speaking and the consulting and, and just the leadership in general, I owe a lot to you, man. So thanks for that and being valuable with your time today. And so, you know, I want to jump in with our first question. You know, this conversation we're having, what does really good customer service mean to you, either from a leadership standpoint or when you're out in the environment? Well, you know, let me take it from the consumer's perspective. I'm the guy that has wanted it easy all the way. You know, you and I have studied experience. We're both... Uh, professionally certified experience experts, which is, there's only a few, a handful in the world, really. When I look at it, it's, it's ease, it's simplicity. You know, I don't necessarily want to be wowed. I want it simple. And number two is I want it fast. So at the end of the day, what are the minimum amount of steps you're going to offer for me to get the job done? I got a job to be done, whether I'm taking my kid to a doctor visit, whether I'm going to buy something from a hardware, you know, home improvement center, whether I'm, whether I'm getting a coffee, the fastest and the easiest will win, period, end of story. That starts with location, speed of service, uh, touch points. How many touch points are you going to put me through? You're going to put me through 12 steps to get whatever, <laughs> my trinket, or you're going to put it through three. It doesn't really show that you've done the work to eliminate unnecessary steps. You've trained the folks well. But it all boils down to ease. People want it easy. So there's no one thing, right? There never is just one thing. But if there was, ease. Make it easy for me to get the job done, whatever that job is. And that's what great customer care is for me. And after that, it's all training and tactics and, and you know, really analyzing the VOC, that voice of the consumer, and then just executing on that and never stopping pounding on your concept, that journey map, right? From, from, from me touching, touching your company on Instagram to actually purchasing something in a brick and mortar, or now it's digital, right? Everything's going digital. You know, this whole new movement, it's not going away. You know, you can get a car delivered at your home now that you bought online. If you don't like it within 30 days, you call them back, they pick it up, they reverse the financing. Talk about I want to go to the car vending machines I've seen where you put that big coin in there. To, what is that, Carvana, right, that has the big car vending machine? Absolutely. And Carvana now delivers. I just saw a flatbed yesterday delivering a Mercedes-Benz. So this isn't just, uh, a, a, you know, a, a lower end, more affordable. And I don't mean lower end in, in any kind of bad way. I'm just saying a more affordable product that Carvana is is delivering, they're delivering Mercedes-Benz. It was about a $90,000 wow. car on a flatbed that nobody ever saw. And they're willing to give that guarantee, make it easy, and reverse financing if it wasn't paid cash to bring it back. That's ease. That's what I'm talking about. You know, and it really, that all stems from the Amazon way. But nevertheless, that's where it's going. That's what great customer service is. And so you mentioned a couple of companies, you know, I heard you say Carvana, I heard you say Amazon, any others you think that are leading the way in the market uh, that we can learn from? I'm, I'm always a big fan of finding those who have kind of gone first and, and find a way to either brand wagon on it or improve upon it or just learn as a student of business. Yeah, you know, the, the, big, the big problem currently is that there only is a handful of companies really crushing that marketplace with ease. Amazon. Starbucks, 
you know, you look at, you know, you're looking at grocery stores now that pack for you. They go in the store, grab your tomatoes, your pasta, and your milk, and deliver it to your car. So that's now, that's really good innovation, right? That's a recent innovation. Now, <clears throat> was taking food to your car new? No, but they reinvented it. You know, there was a time when you could give a, a gentleman or a lady a dollar or two, and they would bring the groceries out. So you'd do the groceries and they would help it, make it easy and bring it to your car. Well, that was great. Well, they took it another step and said, well, what if we did the grocery shopping for you? Now, this has been something in the making for years is my understanding. I met a Kroger uh, executive said, we've been talking about this for almost a decade. We just never thought people would do it, you know, because of the produce and the selection and people actually like to shop. They like to look at the shelves. They like to look at all that. So I, I think the grocery stores are innovating in a way that's very novel. Right now, we can talk about Amazon, but Amazon keeps innovating more and more. Not only are they reducing the time of delivery to one day, they're now working on how do we get you a television within six hours? How do we get you? So they're going to dive into certain, certain categories. You know, they're probably not going to be able to do everything, but I think with time, as they grow, they're going to be able to deliver anything you want from Q-tips to an 82, you know, I ordered an 82-inch screen TV lately. It came from Amazon within 48 hours. Now, that wow. is ease, right? So you're looking at everything else. Well, look at telemedicine. I spent almost a decade in healthcare. Telemedicine is making it easy. I recently had to go to the doc, and of course, because of everything going on in the world, they said, look, you know, we're not going to bring you in. Not, not only do we want to protect you, we want to protect ourselves. Uh, I got my antibiotics and my asthma medication from an app and the doctor popped up. It was a grainy picture, but man, they made it easy. So I think they're doing really well with telemedicine. I think they got a long way to go to make it even easier. There was too many steps for me to get to looking at the doctor on the screen, just from my perspective, but the average consumer might've thought it was brilliant. You and I see things a little bit differently, but I looked at all the steps. I had about six steps to get to that screen. It should be one click. How do I one-click my doctor into looking at something on my forehead or a little mole I have or just looking at uh, the inside of my throat? Because that's what I, you know, thank God I'm typically healthy. I usually get one thing a year and you need antibiotics, right? Talk about innovative. So, you know, I don't see anything else really dramatic right now. There's the Carvanas of the world really revolutionizing the way we're going to purchase cars. Amazon, of course, but not only Amazon, because that gets boring. What is Amazon doing and how do they keep, like I said, pounding on the concept until it's novel again, until it makes sense, and until they're cutting steps out of the process. And they're so good that they no longer have steps to cut. They're now reducing time. They're reducing time. And I love the fact that you're mentioning some of these, you know, it's easy to look at the big sexy fireworks and stuff, right? But I love that you're mentioning ease of use, consistency, trustworthy experiences, because that's what I look at, right? I'm always looking at that, that trustworthy and, and that consistency. You know, yes, wow me every now and again, but if I come in, if you're going to give me a good, solid B plus, A minus experience, I would much rather have that and know exactly what to expect in a consistent basis and get exactly what I paid for from a value perspective, as opposed to you hitting an A plus one time and a D minus the next. Absolutely. You know, and I'm sure you've done this before in your consulting world. When I've consulted, and the first thing I land, I look at the ease, I look at the flow, I observe for a little while, I talk to the front line, right? Because I don't want to talk to the executives, I don't want to talk to the VPs, even the regional directors, you know, they're a little disconnected, if not a lot, right? I want to talk to the front line, I want to talk to that consumer, they have the answers, you know, 
The other ones are living in their ivory towers. You know, they, they have no idea what's going on. If I ask a, a VP when the last time that they talked to an actual customer in higher ed in a cafeteria, when was the last time uh, they went and literally did a table visit or, or called back somebody after buying that Mercedes? They say, never. I haven't done right. that in so long. And you know what? They should be fired. It should be freaking fired. And I say that, I've said that in boardrooms. I've been criticized for it. I've been praised for it. You name it. But at the end of the day, you better wake up and you better look at that very, very carefully. Because if not, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. And then the first thing after I do, I get that voice, that consumer ideal, that perspective. I really want to, I want to dive into what do you already have that may be great. You're just not executing on it. So I want to, before I, we reinvent anything or cut anything out of the process, Let's really observe the process. Let's be a consumer of your product. Let's take a real close look at every detail, and not only once, but multiple times. And let's try to break that thing. Because most of the times what I've found in the field is there's a lot of good stuff out there. They're just not even executing. But yet they want to go do another strategy and another tactic, and they want to change everything. No, 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 no. Let's take a look. This is key advice. Take a look at what you already have. It may be brilliant. And uh, in all humility, I say that because as a young consultant, I'd come in trying to change everything, add value. No, no, no. As I became a more tenured consultant, I really wanted to take a look at, you know, what are the distinctions of the great companies? Do you have them? And if you don't, let's inject those into your business. And that's what I got to say about that, Tony. Well, thanks for that. You know, that's a great segue into the leadership piece. And everyone always kind of asks me why I talk about leadership so much as a part of, of customer experience. But if you can't communicate your vision and you can't lead your team, you can't engage them. I think you're sunk and you're never going to get people to be nice or drive quality or hospitality or safety or anything. So I want to turn the focus onto that for a minute because that has been something that you've been great at throughout your career. You've got a history of building these high performing teams. So from a leadership perspective, you know, what leadership levers are you pulling, you know, from that great level of leadership to drive these high performing teams to create that engaged culture? What are some tips and tricks you might give to the folks listening? Yeah, well, I appreciate the kind words, you know, throughout the great years, there was a lot of bad years. So, so there was some great leadership, some very poor leadership that came out of me. But the one thing that was consistent about this, you know, the this distinctions, the clear distinctions, distinctions in the years that I was successful and that the teams really delivered, and it's really them that delivered, not me, was that the day I really understood that all the leadership books and, and all the things that we can talk about, pontificate over leadership, we had to understand about 15 years ago, <clears throat> the American workforce really started to demand coaching versus managing versus even leadership. They were tired of the term. That's what I found personally in my career. So a coach is very different than a leader in many ways, although they lead, and they're definitely different than a manager. So I think when you begin to understand that the American workforce today, and I think forever, will require a coach, you almost want to call, some companies did, they started calling their area managers or district managers area coaches. I think Chipotle may do that. They're, they're very innovative in themselves, by the way. I don't want to skip them from our earlier conversation. Uh, but at the end of the day, once a manager really understands that people want to be coached, they want a professional friend, they want somebody that's going to give them a little leeway and, and a lot of freedom, actually, but that, that they don't want to be pounded on. Right? They, don't want, they don't want that old leadership, uh, that old management, hammer, 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 hammer. They really want that collaborative approach. They want somebody that's going to understand their needs. 
once you understand their needs and, and, and their wants, you can really start leading them. That comes automatically. So that when we look at a task or a strategy or a product or a process they have to execute on, which is called business, right? We have a product, we have to sell it. There are processes and people in between. Well, at the end of the day, they got to look at who's at the helm and they really want that coach that's going to develop them, that's going to hold them accountable, that's going to be kind, not as harsh as it used to be. And that, that goes from union environments, because I've worked in those for years, to non-union environments. And as soon as you start looking at it from that perspective, asking those better questions, really understanding why something didn't happen, well, that, that's a lot more of a coach position. So when those years hit, they were really great. I was really, really close to those teams. I really was. It was almost an unhealthy, um, an unhealthy closeness, which I don't promote because it'll cost you at times. If you're too close, you're too friendly, you, you, some people will take advantage. But the benefit far outweighs the deficit. And I really enjoyed those years because loyalty came out of that. Execution, not only because I was a good guy to them, loyalty because they wanted to win themselves. And I think that personality has a lot to do with how people care for their managers and their leaders. Sad but true. You got no personality, you better come with something else then. Uh, I'm not saying that it's all rainbows and butterflies, smoke and mirrors. You have to have that knowledge, the expertise, that kindness. So you have to have the street, the street credibility about what you're doing and the background. But at the end of the day, are you really taking care of them? I'm talking about the good ones, right? And then last but not least, when it came to leadership, I guess this is leadership, is that high performers and middle performers, which run the business, they don't want to work with low performers. So are you making those executive decisions, and as hard as it is and as long as it can be, to remove those bottom players? Evidence is clear. Not only my career, your career, any career. If you keep 10 poor performers, around 40 good performers, You've done them an injustice. You have to, you know, I, I never wanted to win the turnover game. I have zero turnover this year. Okay, show me your results. And if you were good this year, show me them next year. It won't be the same. You have to continuously. So once I've merged that leadership perspective of keeping those high performers performing, really removing the bottom, constantly removing the bottom, something they don't do. Big companies, small companies, they don't do that. And really taking that management leadership thing, just put it on the shelf, become that coach, that great coach. We've all had them, and they're really kind. They have a ton of empathy. They're very strict on standards. They don't take any shit, but they are much, much different than what we thought was a good manager. They really, really are. We can go write a whole book about that, but that's my perspective on leading teams nowadays. And I like that because that old school command and control nonsense, right, went out, you know, it went out with bell bottoms. So, you know, I appreciate that. Well, I guess bell bottoms are back, but don't, <laughs> don't bring in the, uh, don't bring the command and control leadership back. And so if we dig in a little more deeply, because, you know, we've talked about quality and consistency, we've kind of nibbled around the edges a little bit on that. I'd like to dig in a little bit on that because for me, and I think for you too, knowing you and, and, and the fact that you want people to be able to expect, uh, you know, a clean room, uh, a great burger, a, you know, an on-time delivery, a, a, you know, again, the non-sexy stuff, but the stuff that drives consistency and quality all day long. How, how do you really validate that? How do you maintain high quality consistency? What, what, you know, what, what are some of your tips you might give? Yeah, you know, the first thing I want to know is do we actually have them? 
Are they in writing? Have they been trained? Have we developed like the standards? The people? Yeah, the standards, the processes, the policies. Now, big, rich companies have that, but I know middle, com- you know, uh, smaller to medium-sized companies, 500 employees, 1,000 employees. At the end of the day, they don't even have it. So I want to make sure we have that. So once we have an evidence-based process, something we have proven over years that we constantly look at, kind of like what Toyota did along the way, now everybody does, really taking a look at everything. Is it in writing? Is it systemized? Can we train it? Is it easily absorbable? Can we validate it? Can we train it within five to 10 days and not 30 or 45 days? These are key components. Once I have that, I'm validating every day. It's the everydayness of it all. What's the end product? What are those key performance indicators? What are those quality bullets that say this is a great delivery product service, great doctor's visit, a great student experience, a great dining experience, a great hotel stay? What are those key performance indicators? And we have to go. And how we validate, we ask the consumer that VOC is where we live. But then one step before that, we can also talk to the front line. What are they hearing? What are they doing? Join them in one day. Join them. Go clean a hotel room with them. Is there something silly happening? Right? Go stay in that hotel. Take the flight. Eat the meal. Get the delivery. Go to the doctor. Get the surgery. You have to experience it to validate it. Paperwork and reports and emails will only get you so far. And honestly, the VOC is broken. That voice of the consumer is also broken. It's only a small piece, right? So I want qualitative data and quantitative data, but I want something I can see and touch and taste. That is how you validate your service, your product, and that's going to pay off huge. And then you can go make those corrections, change the people, change the training, change the process that I opened with, right? But once we have a great evidence-based process, we need an evidence-based training system that is not only going to dump information on employees and send them on their way. When I train somebody, I want to validate their skill set. And then I want that to be on a rinse and repeat process. Very hard to do. It takes extreme level of management, leadership, and coaching. If I taught you how to do three tasks, I validated quickly and I send you on your way forever, performance drops, standards will drop, period, end of story. What system do we have in place to bring back the training, the validation, the praise, the reward, the correction? It's really a loop. You know, when we look at companies that train people, less than 3% of them, less than 3%, right? $60 billion, I think, is the number that goes into training worldwide in all industries. Only 3% of the companies say, yeah, that worked. Sales, customer service, leadership, blah, blah, blah. Dude, that's 97% of companies that invested billions of dollars say, yeah, you know, the voice of a consumer didn't get better, so our customer outcomes are not better. The leadership's terrible. Uh, Our employees aren't engaged. Well, damn it. So I use an evidence-based program that teaches the task, right? Then they teach it back. Then we validate, and then we reward, praise, correct, right? But the key is to rinse and repeat that process over and over again. That's the only thing. So when we look at the companies that won, they do that. They go in and they go, okay, I know I I taught you how to pour a cup of coffee. I'm going to do it again in 90 days to make sure that you have everything that you need and that you're doing it correctly because performance falls off dramatically after training. 
It just does. So in any industry, I would challenge to have that, that, that perpetual training and development. Painful, hard to do, takes a tremendous leader. Some departments do well, some don't. That's why organizations fall apart. And that's what I have to say about keeping those standards and validating. Well, I love that because the, the one thing that I really liked hearing was about uh, stepping into a frontline role. You know, I heard you, you talk about that from a leadership perspective. And I think leaders who don't understand what it means to do that job are always destined to fail because they have no idea what their frontline teams are going through. And great companies like the Ritz-Carlton's, the Chick-fil-A's, the Disney's, they all require their leadership to do that just as a part of being a leader. And, you know, I talk about that. Chase in my book, Together We Serve, which shameless plug before we go into the lightning round. We are five minutes from the finish line, ladies and gentlemen. We are getting ready to go into the amazing lightning round. But if you haven't picked up my book, Together We Serve, you can get that on Amazon.com. You can search Together We Serve, Tony Johnson. And I talk not just about the strategy, but I give you tactics and then wait for it. At the end of every chapter, there's a little box that says, do this. And so I really do outline it for you in both, both the strategic and a tactical way so that you can get super results out of that. And, and at the same token, if you want to learn more about that, you can go to my website, igniteyourservice.com, to learn more about my book or just go right to Amazon right now. Don't walk, run to go buy it. Now, time for the lightning round, my friend. Are you ready? Ready, Freddy. All right. What is your favorite hobby? You know, my favorite hobby is sailing on the Gulf of Mexico with my wife and my son, Jacob. We're taking out our jet skis, anything on a boat on the water. Fantastic. What was your first job? First job was a place called Gibby's. It still exists. I was 12 and a half years of age. I was washing dishes slash peeled potatoes and crushed garlic until your hands bleed. That was my very first job. Taught me so much. My very first mentor, Dominic, came out of that. Brilliant stuff. You know, and during our next, uh, our next Together podcast, I can't wait to dig a little deeper into Dominic. I've actually heard a lot of the Dominic story. It's a fantastic story. We will save that because I am sure there will be a part two to this adventure. How about your favorite food? Favorite food has to be tacos. Anything tacos, right? With tons of stuff. Stuff on it. Creamy stuff. Spicy stuff. Tacos. Man, I love a taco bar. I love Korean street tacos right now oh. are my new jam, right, is that. How about your favorite vacation spot? You know, we love the islands. We've taken a million cruises, you know, because they're kind of inexpensive. You get fed till you, you're, you're rolling around the hallway. And, uh, you know, the friend, like those, uh, like Turks and Caicos and, and th those types of waters, you know, anything around water. But that's just Turks and Caicos. I don't think there's a more beautiful place in the world than that place. That, that's, where, that's, where, that's where we live. And finally, how about your favorite musical band or artist? You know, it changes all the time, but <laughs> recently I'm back into train Pat Monahan, just a great, great singer, great tunes. I love them. Of course, the classics, the Beatles, you know, and all that. But it changes. It, it all depends. I get into reggae, get into Pat Monahan, get back into the Beatles. Right now, train Pat Monahan. Go get, go get his stuff. So good. Sometimes, actually, Chase calls me and says, hey, I know you're in the shower. Will you sing for me? So sometimes I am his favorite musical group as well. It's fantastic. Well, hey, man, it has been a pleasure. We have hit the finish line. Thank you so much for really giving so much of yourself today. I really appreciate that. No, it's an honor to be here, man. Thank you so much for letting me chat with you today.
It's going to be great. Can't wait for part two. And that's our show, folks. So don't forget, we are in the middle of the great service comeback. It is an opportunity for us to get out there and claim our spot as the economy reopens. Those who get there first, those who understand the customer's needs, those who, who really think about what it means to serve with the spirit of hospitality, empathy, and wait for its safety will find themselves ready to win as we reopen America. And, and again, there's only going to be so many dollars out there. So you've got to get there first. And if you want to learn more, visit my website, igniteyourservice.com slash comeback, or send me an email, Tony at igniteyourservice.com. We can get some coaching on the docket. We can talk more about your strategy. There is no obligation, but tons of value. I promise you, you can actually go there right now at igniteyourservice.com slash comeback. Sign up for your coaching session right now. But until next time, Again, you know, with, with Chase Jordan, I've been Tony Johnson, your customer experience leader. Please remember to keep your customers at the center of everything you do because that is where the most amazing things are possible. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. Have a great week, everybody. This has been Customer Service Academy Radio with Tony Johnson. Tony is available to speak at your event, meeting, or workshop. Have a powerful customer-focused day.